You're listening to the Tuesday Talks Podcast, your source of truth in communications, identity management, and technology. This episode is the podcast's first host takeover by a non-numerical member, but you've heard him on the podcast before for part one of our series on global call authentication domination. Eric Priest-Counts, chief executive of Risk and Assurance Group and editor of Comms Risk, leads this conversation with guest speaker Pierce Gorman, distinguished member of Numerical's technical staff, for a conversation on using rich call data, or RCD, for call signing because of the potential gaps in using delegate certificates. Welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we bring truth and shed light across the brand identity and the communications industry. I'm Eric Prieskans, Chief Executive of the Risk and Assurance Group and Editor of ComsRisk, here to do a Tuesday Talks takeover as your host. And joining me is industry legend, Pierce Gorman, Distinguished Member of Numerical's Technical Staff. Now, Pierce, we had such a good time with our conversation last time. I know you're looking forward to today's show too. Oh, yes. I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't know if I'm the legend, but I, as I said last time, I'm an industry veteran. I have 34 years experience, the last several years working on uh, call authentication technology, the development implementation of it. I was the lead engineer at Sprint for implementing our stir shaken solution. And if folks want to know more about uh, my background, they can look up the numerical Inside the Innovators um, blog that, that talks about my thoughts and experiences well i think i can guarantee everybody at the end of this half hour show will consider you a legend if we're able to get through all this amazing content we've got lined up for today's show so we're back this is the sequel part two to our previous podcast which was called call authentication domination now we're interested in domination not because we're wannabe dictators but because we're talking about addressing worldwide problems and that means there will be some toing and froing as different parts of the world wrestle with how best to work together and whose proposed solutions will be adopted most widely. Now, during that first show, you kind of let me voice some of my criticisms of the current U.S. strategy for tackling nuisance robocalls. But let's not be negative. Let's be positive. Let's talk about the positive ways that the industry can restore confidence in phone calls. Now, much of that restoration and preservation of trust will revolve around ensuring that the apparent origin of a voice call matches its real origin, thus reducing the risk of scammers tricking consumers. We're also going to talk about the ways the methods used to protect subscribers could also be used to protect telcos from being defrauded as well. Stir Shaken, as we discussed in our previous episode, takes a big step in the direction of authenticating phone calls by applying a digital signature to those calls. Ideally, but not always, at the caller's origin. So let's re-establish the foundations for progress by revisiting the role of rich call data, RCD, in delivering trustworthy calls and how it relates to Stir Shaken and the use of signatures more generally. So for the audience, please summarize, for the benefit of those less technical people like myself, the role that is being played and should be played by rich call data. All right. Thank you, Eric. Well, I've got a lot of material to cover, as you mentioned, and a lot of it is from the perspective of a technologist and is fairly technical. So apologies in advance for anybody who struggles with some of what I'll try to cover here. As far as the value and what's, you know, what's relevant about RCD, the relevant or rich call data, and I'll call it RCD, 
is that this is the first opportunity that the actual originator of a call will have to be able to authenticate the call and present information about themselves. And insofar as their identity has been well established and there's information available for the verifier of the call that uh, they can be confident of the trustworthiness of the, that identity, that's going to be an important value. And where we'll, I assume we'll first see this is uh, for enterprises and call centers who are trying to um, do calling where their call can be verified, they get the little green check mark, and then they could also display uh, a company logo, company name, and even the reason for calling. So that's uh, an important branded calling aspect. And where RCD came from was uh, a problem that was recognized early on in stir shaken development where uh, there was concern about the uh, attestation in a stir shaken call which tells the terminating service provider is this call uh, a, some, a call that I the originating service provider who have signed this call uh, can tell you yes that number belonged on there because one of the primary reasons for um, stir shaken was to combat number spoofing. Um, it's difficult for an originating service provider who has a, a customer who may have more than one um, service provider. So it might be a, a large uh, company that has connections to maybe Verizon and AT&T. Verizon is getting the call, but it has an AT&T number on it. They don't recognize it. They can't give it that full attestation. And that frustrates the customer because they're a big important customer. They're paying for the service. Why can't they have that A-level attestation? So there was work done in the Alliance for Telecommunications Industry Solutions to do a technical report that reviewed different ways that this problem might be solved. And one of the ways that was defined, the one that's gotten the most momentum, is the one that's called Rich Call Data. And what Rich Call Data does is uses the stir shaken technology, which is, as you said, a crypto, you know, a uh, digital signature, cryptographic signature that's passed along in the um, SIP invite, the way that the call is, is set up. And um, the RCD is an extension on the same sort of signature that the shaken signature was, but they're slightly different. There's a basic signature that's called a personal assertion token, it's, it's called passport for short. Shaken is an extension on that basic passport and RCD is a is a different extension on that same basic passport. But RCD covers the sorts of content that a um, individual or an enterprise or an ag government agency would want to present about themselves, including, like I said, the company logo, the reason for calling, and there's lots more data that can be included. The uh, signature allows for something called a um, V card, a J card, uh, sorry, a virtual card, like a business card. J card is a JSON encoding of a V card, and there are very many properties there that could be uh, presented, location, um, all sorts of things. So um, RCD is a, uh, I would call it a groundbreaking uh, opportunity for, for businesses and people to present information about themselves that can be used to improve the chances that the call gets completed. I'll jump in straight away there. So when we talk about an RCD signature, and compare that to a shaken signature, and you refer to RCD as being like an extension, does that mean that they're both essentially built upon the same STIR protocol? So are they both compliant with STIR, or am I misunderstanding? No, you understand absolutely correctly. Uh, STIR is the name of the working group in the Internet Engineering Task Force, the same people who developed TCPIP 
uh, that that particular working group stands for uh, the name of the working group is secure telephone identity revisited and the the reason they did that is partly because the protocol that it works with is session initiation protocol also known as SIP so there's lots of jokes about anything that you do that develops that works on SIP has to have to has to do with drinking so in here we had stir and then of course they added on to that with something called shaken um, but yes the the basic signature there's a basic passport that's just what we call it the base passport and then there are at current time four different passports that have been defined shaken was the original one that was done so that carriers could authenticate and verify calls amongst themselves and this is what's been required by the traced act and what is mandated by the fcc then beyond that there are um, additional extensions on that base passport for uh, calls that are forwarded that have diversion and then calls that have resource priority requirements, such as government emergency telephone services or uh, just emergency services in general. And then um, also the uh, RCD passport. So you have, you know, Shaken, Div, RPH, and then uh, RCD. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. But all, but all built essentially on the same concept of including information in the SIP header in order to provide some additional data to the telcos who are processing that call later on down the line or, or to the or to the terminating telco so the telco can then go back and verify the origin of the call all built on the same platform but nevertheless different flavors of data therefore being included so what makes rcd distinct here is it including more data than some of the other kinds of signatures uh it is including more data but it's also specific to the type of um, call that it's being used for. Um, the div is specifically to assist with knowing uh, that a call has been translated and that it's being forwarded. So that has uh, information, you know, there's a specific procedure and specific information included with that signature. RCD is the, the same kind of an idea. In, in the case of RCD, you're trying to present information. Remember, this comes back to we were trying to support um, enterprises who might have um, dual homing arrangements is what it's called in the technical uh, report and so the idea there was that if the enterprise had good identity information that was uh, trustworthy and could be verified to be trustworthy and was included within that signature then when that RCD passport made it to uh, an originating service provider that was responsible for putting a shaken passport into that same call, um, they could look at that information and even though that customer may not be directly attached to them or they may be directly attached to them but using a number that that uh, service provider doesn't recognize because they didn't assign it, they could look at that information and then satisfy themselves about the provenance and the right to use of the calling number, know that it wasn't spoofed and then they could be comfortable assigning an A-level attestation to the shaken call so that when it got to the terminating service provider, even if the terminating service provider didn't necessarily support RCD, they could at least see the A-level attestation and verify the call and give it the uh, verification status uh, that allows the call to be displayed as verified and a green check mark either in the, you know, at the time on the call display and then in the dialer or or in the call log in the case of um, Apple devices. Um, so does that, did that answer your question? 
Well, yes. Uh, and there's so much to ask as well. So, you know, the, the next thought that I have in mind immediately is to say, is RCD something that's in place already? Are people using it already? Or is there a timeline for its adoption? There's a timeline for its adoption. It is being tested and has been um, used for a couple of uh, proof of concept demonstrations. One that was done by Comcast uh, two years ago, and then one by T-Mobile that was done last year. Um, the the standard itself uh, is in Internet Draft uh, Last Calls, what it's called. And so it should become an RFC, Request for Comments, an official standard in the IETF um, soon. And then the folks that have been working on developing it and being able to support it, I assume, will be able to start um, having those calls be uh, signed and displayed sometime next year. So, so the big motivation in terms of, or the big reason why RCD may gain some rapid momentum behind it is because this is because businesses, enterprises want people to pick up their phone, want people to answer their calls, and therefore they have a great incentive to make sure this works and to have it adopted. Is that fundamentally why you expect that RCD will be a big influence in terms of how we see authentication going forward? Yes, that's a big reason. There is a lot of interest in being able to do branded calling, um, where more information than just the calling number uh, and the calling name can be displayed. So the company logo would be beneficial. And a reason for calling on top of that is considered to be a, a big um, boost to help people you know, know why they should answer the call. Um, yeah, so yes, that's, that's a big reason. So, it, so it's even going to happen. So I was curious about this when it's described. What what does it mean for my handset to tell me what 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 the call is about? I mean, what kind of field is this? Can you is there an example that's given when in the working group when discussing this? What will the actual handset show me in such a situation? You know, the most common example I've seen described is Home Depot saying your your uh, delivery is on the way, that sort of thing. Um, the display that uh, was done for Comcast was done using a soft client on a um, caller ID to the TV, that's what it's called. There is not a standard for that, so each um, cable provider that provides telephony services that does caller ID to the TV will, you know, do something with a soft client. And uh, there is no standard for what the call validation treatment, what the display is supposed to look like on any device, whether it's a TV or a mobile device or anything else. Um, but there has been some commonality in implementation. So for older style caller ID displays that it might have on a, a cordless phone, if anybody has one of those still in their house, uh, Comcast has used a left brace V for verified and right brace to, to let folks know that the call has been verified. And that was also used in their soft client. Um, in the T-Mobile uh, presentation last year that was done on an Android device and there was uh, both you know it was the logo of course the calling number the calling name everything that people are used to seeing well I shouldn't say they're not used to seeing the logo but they're used to seeing the call calling name and then the caller number the reason for text was uh, pretty small there was work going on I think to try and improve that but it was just a message right on the same dialer as what you would see for any for any call. So that would be what it would look like. Now, one of my criticisms that you know I have of um, uh, the current U.S. strategy is that it's easy to subvert 
um, what's called authentication if you don't have adequate know your customer procedures in place. So yes, something is authenticated in the technical sense of the word authenticated, but in reality, somebody's being dishonest because they've been allowed into the ecosystem and now they're exploiting what's an authentication mechanism in order to reach people through a process of deception. Of course. What, what, what would differ in RCD to prevent that happening? <laughs> Great question, Eric. Um, so let me see, that's actually going to lead into the second part of the stuff I wanted to cover, which was delegate certificates. But, uh, just real quickly, you know, you, you hit on a very key point, which is that, um, yes, that additional information is influential, right? It makes people want to answer the phone. So the risk, you know, if number spoofing was bad, well then logo spoofing and reason for calling has got to be even worse if it's allowed to occur very much, right? So it's really important that there has been an, uh, a good job of know your customer and documenting that, you know, the image that's being displayed is, uh, you know, if it's a trademarked image, that it's the actual company that owns the trademark that's sending it, uh, that there's no objectionable material, whatever objectionable means. But, you know, anyway, there's, there's a, a lot of, uh, work that has to go into vetting the content to make sure that it's safe to display. Um, now, how, how you know, what is the technology or what is the uh, procedure and method? What is the policies that are in place to ensure that happens? Um, I'm going to say that there needs to be some work to shore those up. And it's one of the reasons why I think it's really important for businesses who want to take advantage of this to pay, to, to encourage and engage with the, um, with the with the technologists, with the developers, you know, the the folks that came up with Stir Shaken, are, those are fairly open organizations. The IETF is, an, is a fairly open organization and so is the SIP Forum, which is one half of the SIP Forum ATIS Joint Task Force on IPNNI that developed the Stir Shaken standards. And, and if you think about Shaken as being a standard that operates between service providers that was required by a law and by mandate and this being something much more open that's going to be used by businesses well if you think about carrier to carrier call authentication that's what 3500 4500 service providers in the United States which surprises a lot of people that's a that's a big number but if you think about the fact that there's like you know depends on who you look at for a number there but 30 million businesses in the United States many of them uh, proprietorships right individuals uh, operating a business, the the quantity of call authentication and the requirements that need to be thought about for call authentication for enterprises and agencies far outstrips what we've been doing for Shaken. So RCD is, uh, you know, a much bigger deal to me than anything we ever did with Shaken. And uh, so in terms of, you know, what needs to be shored up within the policies and standards, um, I'll just, you know, I'll get into delegate certificates here in a second, but I'll, I'll just mention, let me see, what have I got in my notes on RCD? Um, basically, the bottom just says, make sure that you're using, a, you know, that you got good KYC. There's two things I'll mention on this uh, as far as how it relates to Shaken. In Shaken, uh, it operates between carriers. Shaken also permits the idea of RCD claims. So you have an RCD passport and you also have what's called RCD claims. RCD claims can actually be included inside of a Shaken passport. So 
you as an enterprise might generate an RCD signature. You put it in your call. You send it to your originating service provider. He looks at that, says, hey, that's great. I'm going to give you an A-level attestation on my shaken passport, and I'm going to strip out all your RCD claims, and I'm going to drop them into my shaken passport. I'm going to discard your RCD passport. So now I just have a single uh, SIP identity header in the call. I'm going to send it down to the terminating service provider. Terminating service provider gets the call. They look at it. Hey, A-level attestation. This call is going to be verified. Oh, I see all these RCD claims in here. Should I trust these? Should I display them? And I'm going to say, in almost every single instance, that terminating service provider ought to be saying, no, I'm not going to display these RCD claims. And the reason they would do that is because they don't know what the originating service provider has done to vet the the customer to know that those claims are legitimate and should have been displayed. And if we think about the fact that we're doing call authentication shaken at all because of service providers who admitted illegal robocalling onto the public switch telephone network, then you should assume, and I would as a terminating service provider, that there are going to be service providers out there who are not only admitting illegal robocalls into the PSTM, but are also sending me RCD claims in their shaken passport. So there's no way for any terminating service provider to have bilateral agreements where they can be indemnified or or make sure that there's liability accepted by the sender of those um, claims. And so maybe on the large service providers, you know, Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile could get together and say, hey, you know, tell you what, we're big people, we'll do a good job. You know, if I send you a call, you accept it, you display my stuff, you know, they could do that. Um, now, will they do that? I don't know. There's, you know, this is new ground to be covered. Uh, so I don't know that that would happen. But what I do know won't happen is they won't just blindly accept uh, RCD claims in shaken passports from originating service providers, you know, just carte blanche without any concerns. So what's required is those RCD passports themselves need to be able to get to the terminating service provider or eventually even to the terminating device, right? I could see where Apple or Samsung or other uh, mobile de mobile device operators or any anybody who's making devices that can understand SIP might say, hey, you know what? I'd like to see those RCD passports because I'll verify them for myself. I don't need you, the terminating service provider, to do it for me. There's data in there beyond just those claims. I'd like to see it. I'd like to be able to analyze it and use that information. So the, the point to all of that is when terminating service providers want to be able to display the information that's sent to them in RCD, they need some way to be confident of the uh, trustworthiness of the data and uh, that is not something that is currently baked into the policy or into the standards. So there's work going on and different arrangements to try and figure out how to manage that. Um, I have my own ideas about how to do that. That should be another Tuesday talk uh, with you because you <laughs> have worked on this same tech, uh, same technology that I think is interesting for this problem space. Um, so that's an Okay, so let's not, let's not leap ahead. Yep, that's yep. great. I, I, I love the show, so I'd be glad to come back and discuss again. Let's not leap ahead. Uh, we mentioned a few times the delegate certificates. So again, briefly for the audience, for less technical people like me, what are we talking about when we talk about delegated delegated certificates and why is it relevant to this topic? Yep. Okay, so um, the waster shaken works. I'm gonna jump, I'm gonna give that as a baseline and then we'll talk about delegate certificates in relation to that. 
the way Stir Shaken works is an originating service provider creates a signature over some information in a call in a SIP invite, uh, which is the call attempt, right, before sending it to the terminating service provider. And in there, there's a reference that says, if you'd like to be able to verify my signature and this data to make sure that it's authentic, here is a web server that you can go to, a file server that you can go to, to download a um, cryptographic key, a public key that I've made available to anybody who wants to see it. And you can use that public key to um, validate the signature and make sure that it's authentic, that it, that it came from me. Um, okay, so that's, that's good. Now, where do those certificates come from and what's in those certificates uh, is, a, is a question, right? So the certificates are provided by what's called certification authorities. And there are, there are big name certification authorities that people are familiar with, like GoDaddy is a big certification authority. And they also manage domain name services. And so is Entrust and DigiCert and others. There's other large names. And they, they provide certificates that are used for, for web. So when you connect to your bank and you see the little green lock up on the browser, it says you have a authenticated connection with your bank that was done using cryptographic signatures in HTTP protocol. And what we're doing is cryptographic signatures in SIP protocol. So it's a very similar thing. Now the certification authorities that are used for stir shaken are, are not the big name certificate uh, certification authorities who were aware of the work, but thought, gosh, 3,500 service providers, they're not gonna change very often. 3,500 certificates, it's really just not worth our time and effort to even look at using this or doing much with this. Now, if you ever advance to the point where you're using thousands or millions of certificates, okay, that'll get more interesting and we can maybe re-engage at that time. So there were a number of small companies who were already working with service providers on a regular basis for all sorts of things. And they said, you know what, we'll, we'll become a certification authority. Now, becoming a certification authority means that you have to uh, have available to you a certificate policy. What is the policy that my certification practice statement needs to adhere to? And so the uh, framework that was put in place to do this is a um, framework that was, uh, I'll just say, there's a governance authority, there's a policy administrator, and then there's a certification authority. And to become a certification authority, you create a certification practice statement, you submit it to the policy administrator, the policy management administrator at the, or policy authority, the policy management administrator at the policy authority, which is iConnective for the United States, um, reviews that certification practice statement. If they like it, you get a thumbs up, you get to be a certification authority. And um, they also have to submit that to the governance authority technical committee. So there's two, um, there's a PA and a GA that have to review the certification practice statement. So it's not easy to become a certification authority. The certification authorities then have uh, the ability to create what's called a root level certificate. It has a public key. They've used a private key to do that. And then they issue certificates from that certificate. So they sign uh, with their private key intermediate certificates and those intermediate certificates, so I'm giving you more than you need to know. I'm just gonna say they're gonna create a very short chain of certificates that prove that they signed it, that they're the trusted third party, that if you, hmm. get a, if you get a certificate that has them in the certificate chain, then you know that it came from them and that they authorized it. And then for Stir Shaken, there is a triangle 
between certification authorities, the policy uh, policy administrator, policy uh, administrator. Yes, that's right. It's not right. It's not right. PA. I'll just say PA, and then carriers. So when a carrier wants a certificate, they request a service provider code token from the PA. They include that in a certificate signing request that they send to the CA. The CA gives them a certificate. They post that certificate publicly. They use the private key to sign their calls. People download the cert. They verify the call. That's how StirShaken works for carriers. That works well because carriers have to register with the PA. They are vetted by the PA to be able to get those STIR certificates. Now, how does an enterprise get a STIR certificate? Quick answer is they don't. They're not allowed to have STIR certificates. Only service providers are allowed those. Res responsible organizations with toll-free numbers and service providers that have a um, operator carrier number code. So how does an enterprise get certificates? Well, they go to somebody like AT&T or T-Mobile and say, I would like a certificate. And AT&T or T-Mobile can, as a service provider that's able to get certificates from that triangle, can say, well, tell you what, I will go request a subordinate certification authority certificate, and then I will issue, issue you a delegate certificate. So the idea is that, that enterprises would need to go to their service provider uh, who has the ability to, to become a subordinate certification authority and get a certificate from them. Now, does that make them good and secure and you can trust the information that came from that? Well, those same service providers that are admitting illegal robocalls into the PSTN can legitimately go ask for the authority to issue delegate certificates. So no, you can't. Um, so that comes back to that problem of, remember I said the policy and the standards don't yet make sure that you're safe. You have to have something outside of those two to be able to make sure you're safe and there are, there is work going on by different organizations to identify how to do that. Now, when you look inside of a certificate, a, a STIR certificate, there's a special field in there called the TN authorization list. That field says the, this telephone number or these telephone numbers or this service provider uh, is author, authorized for this call. Look, it's really difficult for you to compress this into the time we have available. I still want to cover a couple of quick questions that the audience have submitted that uh, if we could just quickly go through now, I think it'd be great to yeah, go through. I'll be quick. Yeah. Real, real quick. Um, is there an organized group of leaders who are having these conversations about global standardization? If not, how can we move to establishing this? There is not. Uh, the likely organizations you'd want to use would be GSMA, ITU, uh, I'm going to forget forget some, 3GPP, but there isn't, and, and what you would want is maybe like, I'll just say ITU or some other organization, and then liaisons amongst the organizations to make it work. Uh, okay, I think I know the answer. We're going to get Rebecca to do it and I'm going to help out and you're right. going to help out. And I think we just need to grab the mantle on this because otherwise we'll be waiting for other people who are not going to deliver the answer. Okay. Another quick question from the audience, just to, just for last minute of the show, what is the state of play for initiatives for CLI validation via distributed ledgers? And I know that that might take you half an hour to answer. So can you say in one minute, what's the state of play? CLI validation via distributed ledger, or do we need another show to do that? We need another show, but 
there is a, a group called the Distributed Ledger Technology Group. It's part of the Alliance for Telecommunications and Industry Solutions. It's part of ADIS. And they've been working on this problem for a year or so. Um, there's lots more work left to do. There is lots more work to do. Thank you for those people who submitted the questions. Much appreciated today. We are out of time, though. I would love to continue. I suspect we will be having a part three because there is no way to condense this topic down to the time available. Though you certainly earned the title of legend today, Pierce, <laughs> trying to get through all that content in the time available. Definitely, definitely earned it today. Thank you all of you who've joined us today for another episode of Tuesday Talks. It was great to lead the conversation as the first non-numerical host. Pierce and I will be having a follow-up conversation planned on global call authentication. Next time round, we'll be including Jim McKechn of the Alliance for Telecommunications Industry Solutions, ATIS. So join us for our next Tuesday Talk session on September the 13th. We look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Tuesday Talks, your source of truth in the communications industry. Our next podcast episode will be part three of this series on global call authentication, but we're adding another twist. For our third episode in the series, we're welcoming our first ever third guest speaker to join us. Jim McEachern is a robocall and stir-shaken expert and a member of the Alliance for Telecommunications Industry Solutions, better known as ADIS. He will join Eric and Pierce next time to continue the conversation on international call authentication with a focus on gateway providers. We hope to see you at the live session.